Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. We have plenty more to get to on this show. Terrell Suggs, guy who hardly needs an introduction here, but I'll give him one anyway. Drafted 10th overall in 03 by Baltimore. The dude was NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2003. NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2011. Seven-time Pro Bowler. Two-time Super Bowl champion. Doesn't get better than that. And... He joined the fellas earlier this week to talk about his illustrious career, the Ring of Honor, and how his Ravens and Lamar Jackson are faring this year. All right, very exciting weekend and very exciting opportunity for us to get to talk to our next guest. You guys know him, Super Bowl champion, former first-round pick of the Baltimore Ravens. 
Terrell Suggs of Ball So Hard University joining us now here. What's going on, man? How you doing? What's happening? What's happening? What's going on, man? Not too much. I guess first off, congratulations. It's a big weekend. <laughs> going into the Ravens Ring of Honor, what's this week been like in the lead up to that? Man, it, it's been crazy. It's definitely been crazy, man. I'm getting all the calls now and, and going over the schedule for it, like, you know, when they told me I was going in, I was like, oh, I was excited, but I thought it was a, a long time away. But here we are, the week of. Um, it, it's been a crazy week. I, I tell you what else is, is wild is looking at others in the Ring of Honor and how many are your teammates, your guys you played with. I mean, yeah. it is a who's who and just an incredible crowd. It, it, it's got to make you kind of, I don't know how often you do it, but look back and uh, fondly on those days and those teammates. All, all, all the time. All the time, I say it all the time. Like we say, we we let a lot of uh, championship teams walk out the door. You know what I mean? And you know the Peter Bowers, the the Jonathan Ogden's. You know what I mean? Jamal Lewis. Like we, it, it's a slew of people we had on those teams, man. And it was just like wow. And it just goes to show, like uh, the genius of Ozzy Newsom. So along those lines, the game is different now in the fact of how off-seasons treated, even training camps, no two-a-days. And, and when you were playing, you were, there was still – and I don't mean this in a bad way. It always comes off that way. But there was hitting in training camp when you yeah. got in the league. So – and just with the teammates that we're talking about that you had, talk for a minute about those practices and just you're playing against the best and when actual hitting was going on, what those were like. Man – those were some of the best days ever. And like I said, I, uh, when I got drafted to Baltimore, my football like destiny changed. It was like I was going to a, the, a defensive powerhouse with the, arguably the greatest defensive player ever. And, um, you know, we had the greatest safety ever. You know, we had Peter Bowlware, Dallas Thomas, Kelly Gregg. Like we had, we had, we had a lot of ass kickers on that team. man. <laughs> like it's flattering like to like, you know, be considered in that group, you know what I mean? And like, the, you know, Ravens of all time. I mean, you coming out of college were one of the best players in the country. You were a top 10 pick, like all these things. But walking into that, you mentioned looking up and seeing Ray Lewis and all these guys. Did it take you a while to feel like, all right, no, I'm one of these guys. I belong in this group. Or was that seamless for you? No, it, it took a minute. Um, they just, they played a different brand of football and they're going to find out really, really, they're going to find out fast if you're a Raven or not. And um, fortunate for me, like I said, I had I had, I had had very good vets, you know what I'm saying, older guys that kind of like showed me the ropes and showed me how to do things the Raven way. And um, Rex Ryan was huge for me. Mike Patton was huge for me in my transition. So it's like when you come there, it's like everything you think you did in college, throw that out the window because when you come here, you're going to work and you're going to do everything. So, so everyone talks about that welcome to the NFL moment. Do you remember your moment where you're like, all right, I'm a Raven now, Was it, whether it was in practice or in a game? Um, yeah, it was uh, my first game. It was against the Steelers, and I got a sack. You know, first game out against your rival, and you get a sack. You know what I mean? Like, you make a play in that game. Um, that's when I was like, all right, I can uh, – I'm, I'm here. You know what I mean? I'm in the big league. On, I'm the best defensive team ever. And uh, like man, it, it it was it was a good time. It was a really good time. So I, I I talk at times about the Eagles defenses that I was on, and I was lucky to be a part of them. I was not part of the greatness of the Reggie White, the Clyde Simmons, the Jerome Brown, the Seth Joyner, Eric Allen, and those guys. But mm -hmm. what I do remember is 
going on the field and the confidence level yeah. of a defense when there's players like that. So take people down on the field when you guys went on the field and just that exuding that confidence level. I mean, look who our leader was. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as extreme confidence. You know what I mean? He, he was definitely, you know, he believed in himself. And not only that, he got us to believe in ourselves too and that we all going to be out here playing together and doing our thing. And, like, that was the, the most fun part about it was – to kind of like follow Ray's lead, you know what I mean? And and when you got that confidence like that, you can like a lot of a lot of teams we 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 beat with our reputation. You know what I mean? It was just like, oh man, these these boys coming in here to hit. That gold jacket is is that something? Now I know when you're in the backyard as a kid, we always think about making the big play that wins the Super Bowl. But huh. now when the season when the career is over, you're going in the Ring of Honor for your team. Do you let the thoughts of the of the Hall of Fame creep into your head about going in there? I, I I try not to. I try not to. You know what I mean? It's uh, I, I've heard horror stories about <laughs> you know what I mean guys waiting on their turn to get into the Hall of Fame. So I I try not to. I don't want to expect anything. And you know, as my eligibility date comes closer and closer, you see the guys is going in this year. Guys that I played with against is just like I try not to but it's looming he's there but I hope I make it but I don't want to be too disappointed if I don't make it on the first ballot you know what I'm saying but let's just hope let's just hope and pray and uh, I don't get one of those those horrible stories to tell y'all where I didn't get the knock on the door the first time Somehow I feel pretty good about your chances, yeah, but we'll, we'll send the so. good but we'll send the good vibes your way on that. So. We'll, we'll hope that's the case. I, I thought of you the other night when one of the primetime football games was going on. Justin Pugh had come back in and they did those highlight reel headshots for when they're introducing the guys in the game. And he said, Justin Pugh straight off the couch. For you, Ball So Hard University, I had the sweatshirt in college. Like, I remember the movement. Where did Ball So Hard University come from? How'd you start doing that? Well, you know, like uh, Sunday Night Football was huge about your intros. And like a lot of times I just did like my kids or or my high school. And I was like, I want to come with something different. And, you know, Jay-Z and, and Kanye had that song, Ball So Hard. And uh, and I was just thinking that it just came out. And it, it, it had wheels of its own. Yeah, it sure did. Definitely grabbed yeah. a life of its own. The game today, looking at the Ravens today and one of the most electric quarterbacks in the league and Lamar Jackson. When you look at the game today and you see these quarterbacks that they're not coming from college and actually getting to use their skills from college and not being forced into kind of an NFL quarterback thing. What do you think of the game today? And you haven't been out that long, but still some of these quarterbacks and their ability to move around. Man, they, I, I'm not sure I would have 139 at, <laughs> at, at the chase uh, quarterbacks like Lamar around all the time. Like I used to have to tell them in practice to slow down because we used to guys that couldn't run, you know, the Peyton Mannings and and the Toms. They couldn't run, you know what I mean? But these kids, they lightning fast. They, I was like, I'm not going to pull a hamstring trying to chase you in practice. So um, it would be a nightmare, but they, they, they're kind of becoming a hybrid. They, like, want them to – kind of like let not be a scrambling quarterback and they're doing it but when they need to get out of trouble they they could do that too it's dangerously with their legs you mentioned uh, uh, the change in style at quarterback there's someone who's navigated all that change around that has been John Harbaugh who's been the coach of the Ravens for so long now what's the key do you think to his longevity why has he lasted this long there 
because he's winning. And, and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to have a, a, a MVP quarterback. So, but as long as they're winning and you know uh, at least getting into the playoffs, you know they go, he's gonna have a job. So, uh, we really appreciate the time, man. Congratulations. Enjoy the weekend, and uh, I'm sure it'll be exciting to be back around there and see a lot of familiar faces. It will be. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research, development, and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I can see as the season gets closer, Tom says, hey, you know what? I can pull it off you. That's all. Stugatz, what do you think you'd be more confident in? Tom Brady coming back and doing that or the Jets actually landing Aaron Rodgers? Oh, God. Have you bought into that at all? I haven't really looked into what the source of all of that reporting is other than the Jets hired Nathaniel Hackett and everyone for the last two offseasons has thought that might be a gateway into getting Aaron to look your way the way Denver thought it would work. Well, no, you know what it's like, though, Joe? It's like, hey, let's go get DeAndre Jordan. And if you do, you get Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> Heady play. But, but uh, is your, you're is your right. whole – Stu, though, is you and Jet fans' whole offseason, is it like – Get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, because you don't have a quarterback. So, I mean, what what from a Jets fan perspective is it? And if it's not Aaron Rodgers, you know, get Derek Carr. Get get somebody. Is is that where you guys are? Mike, let's clarify things. Okay, let's clarify one thing. We don't have a good quarterback. Okay, we have quarterbacks. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. right. You're you're the really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we're. I mean, what else do we have to root for? I mean, other than Aaron Rodgers, I will tell you that that we haven't had many great moments, many great spans, but one of the great spans and one of the great moments of my lifetime as a Jet fan 
was the 11-game, 8-3 starter, Brett Favre. It was a glorious time, uh, and I'm willing to go through that again, and I will give whatever we have to give just to go 8-3 and three and not make the playoffs, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but, no, Mike, yeah, I, I think it's such a good fit. I think Joe Douglas, and I do believe it's going to happen uh, for a couple of different reasons that I'll get to in a second, but I think Joe Douglas has, uh, has done such a good job of putting together – now, he hasn't landed the quarterback – uh, but he's done such a good job of getting everything else that he has made that team attractive to someone like Aaron Rodgers, where he'd be willing to go there to play because the defense is good. They're young. The receivers are good. They're young. Brees Hall will be back next year. He proved to be a very yes. good running back. I think he likes Robert Sala. I know he loves Nathaniel Hackett. And so I think Rodgers used that. And listen, and here's the other thing. He has lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin. For the last 15 years, does everyone know how fucking boring it is in Green <laughs> Bay, Wisconsin? And now he has a chance to go to New York City. A bit more exciting. Um, and the bar is set so low for that organization. He goes to San Francisco. He has to win a Super Bowl. Yes. He yeah. goes to the Jets. They'll be happy if he gets to the second round of the playoffs. Heck, they'll be happy if they go in as a wild card and lose in the first <laughs> round. The bar is set so low there. So, yes. I do believe that's a that's a place that Aaron Rodgers would would agree to go to if the Jets came up with the right deal. I did an interview a few days ago, and I can't believe the person mentioned me. They said, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, are they the favorite in the AFC? Like, no. No, they're not the favorite in the AFC. They're they've upped their level, but they're right. not the favorite in the I'm not putting them ahead of Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. Those you're, are you're the doing- well, you're doing that because of the quarterback play, right? And I, I don't blame yes. you, but but in Aaron Rodgers' mind, he probably says to himself, like I think a lot of people think, hey, Aaron, go to the NFC or stay in the yeah. NFC. Yeah. I don't think the I don't think a guy who's considered one of the great quarterbacks of all time thinks about, hey, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, all those guys. I think he thinks, hey, if I go there, we become better, we become the favorite. Oh, I'm I think sure that's he does. Aaron Rodgers I, thinks. Yeah, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers thinks that as well. I just don't think that's you don't the agree. truth. I, <laughs> right. I, I do think it becomes really interesting because like Stu Gotts brought up and with where they're drafting this year, I've seen them, you know, mock drafts having them take one of the Ohio State wide receivers again in the first round. So now you pair one of those mutants with Garrett Wilson, who's already there, Brees Hall, who I think was on track to win offensive rookie of the year, the way that he was playing from the first six agree. games. Completely agree. Yeah. And then the defense on the other side, if you can get that to hold year over year, that front seven, especially that they had, life can change for you in a hurry. Like we're talking about a Buffalo team that's going to be doing some soul searching this offseason that had a little bit of attrition towards the end of the year with the Josh Allen injury, with the offense regressing a little bit defensively. They were a shell of themselves by the time they got to the postseason. So Looking at the bones there, now that Rob Sala, as a coach, sowed a lot of progress in year two, right? Because I feel like you guys can appreciate this. As a head coach, your background can't be the weakness on the team, right? If you're a defensive-minded head coach, you can't come in and have a shitty defense. That's how you get fired. Nathaniel Hackett's offense pissed all over itself in Denver, and they fired himself after a year. In the Jets, at least Rob Sala got the defense. Like, okay, we see why we brought you over from San Francisco. You've got this side of the ball down cold. Now, if you add the quarterback on the other side, this was already a team that was kind of flirting with aspirations during this year when you had Mike Bleeping White playing quarterback looking like the second coming. 
Uh, Mike, I think when you look at the handful of teams and say which teams are, are a quarterback away, literally the Jets are, I think the feeling is the Jets are, are a quarterback away. I'm not certain there's there's another team that has that feel, maybe San Francisco, but the Jets are a quarterback away, Mike, from being a really competitive team. Oh, I agree. Oh, no, no, no. I, listen, I agree. I just, I just, if Aaron goes there, I'm not all of a sudden saying they're the favorite in the AFC, but they're definitely a quarterback away. And can I quickly ask, basically a week before the Super Bowl, why in God's green earth name are we talking about the Jets? Oh, my well, God. What do you mean? They're putting a deal together. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. What do you what mean? That's the, what, what else do you want to talk about? The Pro Bowl? I mean, oh. I, I do feel like the Pro Bowl is now venturing into into territory where they need to bring Stu Gatz on as a consultant. That is one Thank thing you. that I've been thinking or about. Or a commentator. Well, yes. I see Stu Gatz and Barkley to me would be the dream Pro Bowl commentary team. That's no disrespect. Dan Orlovsky, Laura Rutledge, Ryan Clark, they're all going to do a phenomenal <laughs> job. But I feel like in a world with all these simulcasts, you yeah. just need to put Barkley and Stu Gatz in a room, give them a few packs of heaters, and then just clear out. I agree. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with all due respect, I mean, Laura Rutledge is probably going to disagree with you. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> probably going to. Yeah. She's, she's fantastic in her job. She yeah. probably thinks she's more deserving. Oh, yeah, uh, but you, you put her on E1. You put you guys on E2. A little bit little bit <laughs> different feel. Looser vibe. Why, why? Is Barkley doing something with the Pro Bowl? No. Is he indeed doing something? No, he's not. No, no, I just feel like he could do something with everything. You kind of plop it, him in. And you, after you I saw him, him on the match, in, he was great. Remember yeah. when he was on the one in between one of the intermissions at a hockey game one time they put him on it was, was great and he was yes. phenomenal i know phenomenal yeah. I, I don't i don't normally tune in i'm not saying oh i'm gonna watch this game in particular because of the announcers but man if barkley's doing something when they put him on when he does all the matches you know with the golfers and stuff he's gold i mean he's yeah. he is the one guy you say you know what i'm gonna tune in to listen to that i uh I think especially with this year, because I saw the players warming up, they're doing like the longest drive yes, and a bunch yeah. of other stuff. Like, I feel like it just needs to either turn. I always said the Pro Bowl needed to be a five-on-five pickup hoops game, but if you turned it into a hyper-competitive golf match with just rampant gambling from all the players, <laughs> like the match but even more unhinged, then you bring in Stu Gotts as the ultimate commentator because who would know that better than you, Stu? That's the uh, – well, right, I'm doing it today. I mean <laughs> – Right after we're Beautiful done. thing. Beautiful thing. Uh, we'll get into that in a second here. Um I think that's the spot for me and Barkley is the match. That's and I've tried, like I've tried to get on those broadcasts uh, where it's me and Barkley doing the match. That's where I think, that's where I think it could have a lot of fun. Um, I didn't get it. Barkley did. I, I, I think you guys should be in the match. I think you two and two other golfers should actually be should actually be playing. In the match. I'm not good enough at golf, man. I should be better the amount I play. But, but I think that's gonna... I think that's the fun of it. I'd, I'd rather right. not get, you know, scratch golfers or, you know, yeah, guys the best, with three handicap. Let's, the let's best get guys part of the fit. match was watching Tom Brady go and look like shit out on yes. the course. He, yeah, I he looked, right. looked human. Yeah. So I, I say get a match with any everybody who's like a 13-plus handicap. You know, right. let them go have a match and see how that all works out. While you're gambling <laughs> on all the shots. I mean, it's not like closest to the pin. It's like on a par four. 50,000, you get, actually get it in the fucking fairway. You know? <laughs> I'd be so nervous. I know, if someone I know. had 50,000 on me just to get I it in the fairway. Oh I, my I, God. I played in a, uh, I played in a uh, pro-am, the Houston pro-am one time. And I think it was with Gary Woodland. And, and Greeny and I were playing. 
and we're playing like a par four, and we're like one, I don't know, one something out, you know, a decent iron to, to get in. And there's water all along the right-hand side. And, and I'm sitting there next to Gary, and Greeny's ready to hit. And I said, <laughs> maybe this was a dick move. I said, Greeny, 50 bucks, you put it in the water. <laughs> He's like, come on, Mike. He said, I said, I thought we gambled what we He goes, those aren't the kind of gambling things to do. Sure enough, he put it right in the water. He was so pissed at me. <laughs> it might be a dick thing to do. Oh, yeah, I know. I guess, I guess it was. Oh, Woodland loved it. He was laughing his ass off. Of course, uh, yeah. At Woodland, like when you play next to a PGA player, yeah, Mike, it's yeah. like the most impressive thing ever. It's incredible. Their shots yes. are cannon shots off the tee. It's so much fun. Yeah. So I can tell you guys, the first time I played with Greeny, I told him what my handicap was. I, th- I told at the time, it's the only time I played with Greeny. I told him it was uh, like a 16 or a 17. And, uh, and we teed off. Now, I play from the blues. Greeny plays from the whites. He plays a little bit closer than I play. I did not know that. So when we got to the course, I said, we're playing from the blues, right? And he said, no, we're playing from the whites. And I said, you're going to give me my original handicap then, right? He said, yeah, sure. And within two holes, Greedy was so upset with me. He's like, you're not a 16. You're not a 16. You're not a 16. You fudged your handicap. Of course you did. You stood up. Yeah, and like, like, just like hyperventilating. And I'm like, right. Mike, forget the bet. Yeah. Let's just fucking play golf yeah. and stop crying. Okay? Oh, <laughs> I mean, he has a point. If there's anyone whose handicap I would oh, trust yeah. less than yours, Stugat, oh. I think the only person might be my dad's. He yeah. might be the only bigger sandbagger out there than you. Either and that's that- just because he yeah. started playing more recently. Either that or Patrick Reed, one of the three. I don't know. <laughs> Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. All right, ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes joining us here. Although, Mina, for this stake, we get to have Reality Kimes on the show. Your other great passion in life, track reality television dating shows. So, welcome, friend. Appreciate you coming. I'm just so grateful that you gave me this format, this platform, rather, to get these takes off because I have so many takes about the Love is Blind reunion which turns out many people probably still haven't seen. So however you want to cordon off the takes to protect people from spoilers, you're up to you. So I'll say this. I think at this point we're going to give everyone the heads up. This is going to be heavily spoiler laden. So save this for after you finally watched the re- the live reunion, or I shouldn't say live anymore because 
Lord knows that was an incredible fiasco. <laughs> but uh, no, listen, Mina, it's only right considering you were the reason. So you and I, Sunday night, as Netflix is getting ready to host just their second live event ever, <laughs> uh, you got invited by Netflix to come to the live reunion watch party in Los Angeles. So we weren't actually in the studio audience for the reunion itself, but we were with a whole bunch of other reality TV stars and starlets, people that you, in your infinite wisdom of reality television, were just pointing out to me left and right. Was this just Valhalla for you last night? It really was. There's a Netflix show (laughs) called Perfect Match that's kind of like the Netflix reality all-stars. And that's what it felt like. Although most of the people from Perfect Match were also there. So I guess that's a little (laughs) redundant. But for those who are listening and watch any of these shows, Love is Blind, Too Hot to Handle, The Ultimatum, or The Bachelor, which is not a Netflix show, but there were some Bachelor contestants there. Um, It really was a who's who of the reality dating world. Just Love is Blind alone, previous seasons, rattling off some of the names. Um, You know, most of them were there, frankly. Deep D, Natalie, Iana, Mallory. We talked a little bit to Cole, who people might remember from the Zeneb Cuties fiasco. Um, it was pretty jam packed. Which uh, Cole or uh, Brennan rather and Alexa were there together. He's very yes. tall, um, and that kind of made it fun because not only did we get to kind of you know hobnob with them, but you got to see their reactions in real time to the reunion because the crowd was raucous and the crowd had a lot of a lot of emotions. It was it was wild, and because we had the delay built in, so you and I were in this bunker here, and we tweeted out the picture from that beforehand, which meant that as soon as things went sideways, we became everyone's go-to mole source <laughs> on the inside, trying to act like we had any inkling of what was going on more so than most. I have to imagine your phone in particular was ready to melt. Yeah, so I posted a photo of us, and then when... Five o'clock Pacific hit. Oh, there you you've got you have the goblet with you. We got goblets. Um <laughs> and it hadn't started. I was getting a lot of questions like what's happening, you know, is this what are you hearing? What is what is going on? And while we didn't have any intel, um, I guess after about an hour and 15, 20 minutes or so, uh they so it was posted by Chloe from Too Hot to Handle slash perfect match. And uh, she announced to the crowd that the live feed was not happening. This was unbeknownst to us, really. America was freaking out. The world was losing their mind because this live feed wasn't happening. There was also a very exciting NBA game happening at the same time. (laughs) And she came up and told us that they were going to proceed with the taping and we would be able to watch it, but it wouldn't actually hit the Netflix servers. So because of that, um, in a very, very serious tone, we were told, you, well, you're watching this, but you cannot post about it. You cannot reveal things that have happened um, because we don't know when other people are going to get to watch this. And let me tell you, they were they were looking at our phones. Like there was Man. security people walking up and down a very, very intimidating, like eight foot tall security man. <laughs> kind of got in the way a little bit. No big deal. Um of my line of sight to the TV. It was like a big screen. They were looking at us to make sure we weren't posting about the reunion. So I felt very nervous about having my phone taken away. 
Yeah, it was very much like hall monitor energy from that group. The word embargoed actually got thrown out at the beginning of this. So it went from 0 to 60 really quick because we had gone from that hour break full of watching the Too Hot to Handle crew take shots over at the open bar to then all of a sudden everyone shutting down the doors on this very quickly in the name of content, which did also make me feel very special. Like it went from yeah. being a cool experience already to then us being shut in with this. And you mentioned... Everyone then at that point has been chasing around hors d'oeuvres like we did. People were hitting the so open bar heavy, which meant once this started, the like the hooting and hollering was at an all-time high. So, Mina, let's get to the actual reunion. We got everyone back on stage after the yeah. delay. Nick and Vanessa Lachey open this up. And at the reunion, we have got the three married couples that actually made it. So Chelsea and Kwame, Bliss and Zach, and then Tiffany and Brett. We have the three single uh, people up on stage, so Paul, Micah, and Marshall. And then we have the parties that were not pictured in Jackie and Josh. So, Mina, first and foremost here, what was the number one thing you were going into this wanting an answer on to start off with? Yeah, I think my biggest question, I was hounding some Netflix people <laughs> before it started about this, was whether Jackie and Josh would show. We found out pretty early on that Arena was going to show, um, but I wanted to see if they showed because for those who have been following the conversation around Love is Blind online, on TikTok in particular, and Reddit, um, on Instagram, Jackie and Marshall, it's been kind of, a, I would call it a cold war. Like there, there, There's been a lot of back and forth, mostly from Jackie's side, just taking yeah. shots, defending herself, posting timelines. There's been leaks chat threads showing her saying derogatory things about Marshall. So she came into this whole thing with the most to answer for and didn't have to answer for any of it, but what we can get to that. But anyways, she did not show. It was a Zoom, taped Zoom call, um, which was, you know, the, there was a lot I liked about the, the program or a lot that I found interesting, but it was a little disappointing that she and Josh didn't show. Yeah, and I think that really was the biggest elephant in the room. And... It became such a complicating factor because, yeah, it was a pre-taped interview that Vanessa had done with them. You could tell it was heavily edited. Vanessa was also very warm to them. Like, there wasn't a lot of pushback on any of the things about the timeline that Jackie disputed about her breakup with Marshall and where it coincided with her going to the coffee shop to meet Josh to start to rekindle that flame there. She claims that it was edited out of order. Most of us can look and see between what Marshall was wearing at the time and just in general how she felt about that relationship didn't seem like it was something that was that heavily edited out of order, but you had all that, and then you had Marshall on set having to basically answer to this and talk down the line to a camera without actually getting to engage anybody, and so it really sort of robbed us of what was, I think, the chief conflict in the entire show. I mean, and Jackie said a bunch of things that were, like, essentially unchallenged um, by, you know, Vanessa didn't really push back on any of it, including, like, accusing Marshall of wanting the ring back so he could propose to another cast member. Yeah. And, to which Marshall later is like, I went on one date with the girl. But, like, it's just wild that she was, to me, anyways, given the space to just say all of those things with zero repercussions or questions. And also, again, like, we have seen the texts, the receipts on the internet of her saying homophobic things about Marshall. It's out there. She was not barely pushed on that. In fact, Marshall was the one who 
you know, he was questioned about it afterwards, like really had to answer for everything. It almost felt like um, he was put on the defensive. So that was, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was also the end of the reunion, I should say. Like they, they saved that for the end. Oh, no, no, there was another abhorrent Bartiste video at the end, followed by oh, Vanessa God. just constantly, constantly asking people if they're having babies, which don't even get me started on that. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. That was, I thought, probably like the most frustrating thing about the reunion was that whole exchange. Yeah, especially with the whole buildup and billing being this was going to be live. We were going to get all these reactions. Yes. And so for that to be as heavily edited as we know the show is, uh, definitely immensely frustrating. So we didn't really get a ton of closure there. Marshall tried to really deflect a lot of it and basically say, let's just stop the war of words online. He seemed like he was tired of being tagged and everything. And I think that overall, Mina, kind of shined through about everyone's yeah. reaction is this was as candid as I have ever seen reality TV stars in responding to the backlash online that they've received. Like they all in some way, shape or form mentioned the things that they've seen and heard from people being tagged online. Yeah, that's a really good point. Kwame and Chelsea, that was really like a huge focus of their... Um, whole segment was just, I mean, they're also, I, I think they both felt like, and they posted about this, the, their relationship wasn't perhaps represented the, in full. Um, but, you know, a couple that's gotten a lot of hate. Um, and then Arena and Micah, you know, both responding to the negative, I guess, feedback that they've gotten online. Then they talked about, both talked about it. Both seem kind of driven by it in their contrition. Um, even like Brett and Tiffany, who's like that. So they're like America's sweethearts. So they're the ones who should be basking in the love of the internet, but they didn't seem to be, I don't want to say enjoying it, but, um, they also they seemed, seemed uncomfortable, uncomfortable, and like a little bit apprehensive about being public figures in a way that I found interesting, especially Tiffany seemed kind of, um, and like, you know, to be fair, like that's probably why they're so likable is that they're they, you know they they don't have that they don't give off the impression of wanting to be famous uh, as Zach so famously accused Irina of. Yeah, so let, we'll save the married couples and the ones that made it because we had three couples yeah. actually like so. The season was filmed a year ago. This reunion takes place after these couples have now been together for about a year's time. And so I want to get to them and the results there. But you mentioned what I think was the other real big conflict, which was around Micah and Arena and their role in a lot of the bullying that we saw very early on in the pod stage of things. And then obviously how Arena treated Zach once they got to Mexico, once they got out of the pods and everyone was in person. So when it came to those two, Mina and Arena kind of having to address it yeah. first, but really it was billed as both of them. Well, Do you feel like this felt fell pretty short of holding them anywhere near accountable? Oh, I thought Arena got held accountable. Micah was not even, she wasn't asked about the Kwame stuff at all. Only Kwame was asked about it. And then she wasn't asked about, they played the montage of her and Arena bullying people and like laughing at people crying and stuff. And she wasn't asked about that at all. And then we'll get to the stuff with her and Paul, which was probably my other most biggest source of frustration with the thing. But um, I, I thought Arena got held to task mostly because Zach showed up Woo! ready to let the choppers in. <laughs> I think Zach won this reunion by leaps and bounds. Um, not because he was even particularly like funny or charming, but because he he was just very direct and 
he seemed like the one least trying to be political of anyone. Um, so Arena, to your point, like, so, you know, she gave this like very long winded rambling apology about her bullying actions or what it didn't play well. Like, let me just take this moment to give a piece of advice. If you're a bully and exposed on a reality show and you engage in a bunch of shitty behavior and America sees you and you and people really don't like you. Here's what you do. You don't try to justify. You don't try to you don't give a rambling apology. You show up, you look straight at the camera and you say, well, I suck. Like, damn, (laughs) I was an a-hole and people will cheer. Like, it's so easy to get people back on your side if you even if you just take accountability and acknowledge that you were terrible. And um, yeah, she didn't do that. She's just it was very incoherent. And then and this was the, the, the part that I loved. Zach, like, basically, <laughs> just like, no, you're treating me like crap. And he exposed, I don't know if it was him or Bliss who exposed this, that in Mexico, this was yes. this was one of the juiciest moments of the, the reunion, she had DM'd Bliss, you dodged a bullet. So, because she gave this whole story, oh, I didn't feel safe, I was like, oh, I, you know, I had bad, <sighs> which was horrible. I, she basically was just like, I didn't like Zach, he made me uncomfortable, which is fine, whatever. That would be one thing. But she did something malicious, which is she tried to undermine him to bliss as well for no good reason, right? So once they exposed that, I do feel like, Mike, like she she got held accountable because of Zach and bliss, frankly, more than, you know, the hosts or whatever. Um, So I think that was one of the more actually satisfying interactions for me. I I would agree. You're right about that. And it is exactly because she kept trying to explain her reactions. Every time someone else brought something up, because what I thought about the overall tone of the show was most of these people came in a year removed, ready to kind of move on from this stuff. They were ready to kind of offload the baggage. And every time one of the rest of the married crew said something, particularly Zach or Bliss, Arena always felt like she had to come back and say her piece on the other side. And so finally they were like, listen, we've got the receipts. To your point, it was Bliss that brought that up where you said, as I was getting ready to re-explore this, she simultaneously sent some nice message to Zach, who she claimed in the pods and we saw on camera, asked him if he had thought about Bliss while they were together, talked about all that stuff, and then undercut him on the same side. And between that moment there and Zach just come out and flat out saying, I believe you were here to get famous. We all have the receipts Ba-ba-ba. that believe you were here to get fame. That was the one where we felt the entire room erupt. Yeah. My hands immediately <laughs> shot up overhead. It was the biggest cathartic moment definitely. of that entire ordeal. Oh, yeah, so that, that definitely was the moment I think that made people the happiest and got the biggest reaction from the crowd. And you, I think the audience, the small audience at the taping too, um, you know, went kind of nuts when that happened too. And as I imagine, like it was just... I think it, that's, again, why I found Zach's presence so satisfying is he really kind of seemed to actually say what he believed, including with Paul, which we'll get to. Like, he felt the most honest of anyone there. Um, and in that moment, like, I think he, I don't think he, like, planned everything he was going to say. I don't know if they even planned to talk about the DMs, per se, but it came across as pretty authentic. And while they've clearly moved on and they're very happy and he found a woman who seems to actually enjoy his singing, which is incredible. Oh, what a W for that dude. Um, yeah, they were like, no, we're not going to let this shit slide. And I appreciated it. Yeah, very much. Like you said, uh, really responding in the role of the hosts in that mode were uh, Zach and Bliss. So which we can get to that kind of specter over this whole thing about 
how it was handled. But yeah, Micah did get off easy because she did, I will say, have a great arc on the show where by the end she became someone that seemed a lot more redeemable, someone that we were kind of rooting for by the end. I was kind of rooting for her and Paul to make it. They seemed like they were getting more lovey-dovey as the thing went on. And really, quite frankly, as she got further away from Arena, the one thing we saw between Micah's friends back home and then Arena, who she graduated to and gravitated towards in the pod, is she seemed to really just kind of absorb who was ever around her. But she still went and did the things. She still was a part of all the actions, especially the mean girl stuff that yeah. we saw on the pods. And she completely got to dodge all that stuff in a way that was pretty lame. At a certain point, if you if you have crappy friends in not one but two situations, you're the common denominator. And maybe you're you're she's certainly better at presenting on camera than Shelby. Speaking of people who got off the hook, uh, not that I really, you know, whatever, Shelby's a side character, you know. But, um, yeah, I, I think it, it says a lot about probably who you are. The, the feeling I got to, you know, Mike Zark, and maybe we can kind of get into that relationship. Yeah. It felt like just based on how the couples acted, who they were, whatever, it felt like Kwame and Chelsea's storyline was, and I'm not saying it was like, it. clearly they fought. Clearly they had issues. Clearly there was some weirdness. The thing with Micah happened. All of that happened. So I'm not saying it was edited, but it felt like those moments were probably chosen to make the outcome more surprising. Because I was like, whoa, when Kwame said yes. And then seeing them in the reunion, they seemed really freaking in love, right? But like, whereas I felt like the reverse was true with Paul. Like, I don't know if you remember, but... You know, at the day of Paul and Micah's wedding, he's with his friends. He's like, yeah, I don't know what I'm do. And none of them seemed that surprised. Like, they were like, yeah, dude, I don't know. One of them was like, you know how I feel. And I felt like he, that guy probably said no, but Netflix didn't show him saying that. And the sense I got was we just didn't see a lot of Paul's doubts and some of the, you know, like it, it felt like we only like that again to make that moment a surprise. And it was a surprise. Yeah. The show is not. And, and by the way, I'm not criticizing netflix the show is entertaining if the outcomes are surprising right like that's we don't want all brett and tiffany's as much as i love brett and tiffany like you do want suspense but i feel like with paul micah's relationship we weren't shown a lot and because afterwards he was like really... i would get married or now i'll get married in 10 years i was like okay damn dude yeah he, he sort of piled it on there but you're right about the tip of the iceberg thing because again zach came up when he kind of got called out on whispering on the couch by Vanessa like he was handing notes in class, he said, Paul and I spent a lot of time. We were probably up till 2 a.m. the night before, and he said he genuinely didn't know what he was going to do there to underscore how conflicted he was about this and how little he knew. Zach kind of took us under the curtain again and said basically, no, I was with this guy, I was talking with this guy, and I knew how badly this was. And that led to the moment in the reunion that probably, I mean, I guess the Jackie and Josh thing was the worst, but was probably the thing that frustrated me. Well, no, the baby thing is worse. Well, the third most <laughs> after ah. those two things, which was, so, you know, Paul, Vanessa brought up Paul saying, you know, he didn't think Micah would be a mother and Micah cried about it. And Paul said, I meant like, you know, like neither of us be parents, whatever. But, you know, he, he was like, you're not very nurturing. He, that's what he said in the show. Yeah. Which, like, I'm sorry, we just saw a montage of this one bullying other women. Like, we've seen kind of evidence that yeah. nurturing being not necessarily maternal, but, like, nice. But, um, you know, Micah was like, well, why would you tell me that or whatever? And Paul's like, I don't know, like, you can't just, like, tell someone to be more nurturing. 
But Vanessa was like a dog with a goddamn bone about this issue and was like drilling him on it. Like over the cardinal sin of not telling her. It was actually kind of confusing why she was so preoccupied with this when there are so many other more interesting things to talk about. Micah's, you know, she's clearly... Paul, in an interview afterwards, said he felt like she was biased towards him, against him in, in favor of Micah. I mean, I can see why he drew that conclusion. Micah is crying and like, yeah, why would you tell me? Da, da, da. Okay, then Zach steps in for his boy, once again, stepping up, being like very real during this reunion, and proceeds to reveal two things very interesting things one that mm. he heard from women afterwards that micah never intended on marrying paul interesting vanessa treats it like a lie by the way and then two he's like yeah i was driving you back once and you were like talking shit about paul and then he starts to reveal it and then vanessa interrupts him so we never know what he was gonna say i'm so this drove me crazy i was sitting next to you mike losing it when she interrupted him because i was like dude i want to hear what she said, and we never got to hear it because they were the hosts diverted. I would say that was probably of the stuff that actually so came up on air, the biggest and worst unanswered question. Cause the Jackie and Marshall thing, cause they weren't there. We weren't going to get the same satisfaction, but that was a conversation that was happening. And we were about to get all of this information. Like what we dream of this idea that we're seeing 10% of what actually went on. And Zach continued to want to lead us down the path and just, it just lobbed it up for us. And like, cause there were some parts where I understood like, when Chelsea brought up when she was talking about her and Kwame's edit, and I think this was specifically in reference to Kwame and Micah talking at Chelsea's birthday party when they were yeah. all back in Seattle that never once got brought up as they talked about that relationship, never once brought that up as the evidence of their feelings and when they claimed their timeline of being broken up was, etc. But at some point in that, Chelsea uttered the magic words of, there were things about me and Kwame's relationship that were presented that were not part of our narrative or like out of our control. Basically tried to insinuate this idea that that was not something that they mm. had control over. And we know kind of the fourth wall that exists there. I could see why maybe they're supposed to stay away yeah. from that stuff. Because like you said, criticisms of the edit that are probably is, yeah. not a road they want to go down. But this was just tea from their lives this had nothing to do with the edit this was just truth coming out that we were denied in this particular interaction yeah and i think i he said like some of the other women told him that she didn't want to get married and then vanessa was like who they're all here it was you it was you it was you it was arena and i'm like first of all you don't know that so stop it like you know what they're gonna admit it at this thing but also we we learned they played all these um they played like a montage of photos of them that all these dude people couples hang out all the marrieds hang out yeah. like um there was a vacation photo of zach and bliss chelsea and kwame and brett and tiffany that was adorable but also like there is to your point like they've all have th this tea from being friends and th that's the stuff i was really hoping would come out at this reunion not necessarily just how they feel about things or trying to apologize things or whatever so i don't know I, I felt like we were robbed of a moment to get like additional insight or controversy or whatever um because yeah i mean i believe zach i don't <laughs> At, well, and like I said, really at this point, out. based on what we'd see at all of this, yeah, you're right. What reason did he have to lie about that? And I, 
the pursuit of the Paul thing with Micah seemed he did nothing pretty... wrong. Paul did nothing wrong. Sorry. And all he was trying to do, well, he did, and all he was trying to do there was basically not re-insult Micah yes. on stage at this event. Yes, like, he did 100%. what anyone's done in a breakup, which is, yeah, I don't want to say the awful thing to your face and make you feel worse than you already do. And so now as they're pushing for it again, they wanted him to say, yeah, you didn't seem very nurturing to me and I don't think you'd make a good mom. Whereas he tried to do the thing where he puts onus on him and say, I didn't yes, create that. Bring- he was trying to work around it to not hurt her feelings. That seemed pretty clear by the third or fourth time that we got that question drilled back in his face. So It, it was so odd, I thought, that... If it was like, who went into this thinking that Paul was going to get the most heat after we saw actual bad behavior from various parties? Just so strange. Um, yeah. So it just it became it. Yeah, honestly, uh, free Paul. Um, Zach definitely won the night of the married couples. Um, so obviously we had all three of them. Brent and Tiffany, like we said, pretty muted throughout the yeah. entirety of this thing. Zach and Bliss were the only ones that responded even a little bit to the idea and the constant inquiry from Vanessa about the love is blind baby, which can I just say, like knowing you had that video from Bartice at the end, who they wanted to highlight was a little awkward because Nancy was in the crowd with us. Um, oh, but, looking great, by the way. Oh my God. Yes. Amazing. I was going to say, you want to talk Nancy. about someone who is Yo. living their best life. Looked amazing. Lady, love it. But they show this video of Bartice asking at the very end, if anyone is close to giving us the love is blind baby, which Vanessa had already undercut three times in the broadcast. Like if you knew you had that video coming, which is probably already an overstep and a bit ill-advised bringing it up that many times along the way beforehand to completely rob the moment. It was just baffling. And that was where you saw, I think Tiff and Brittany, excuse me, I almost gave them the couple name, Brett and Tiffany almost kind of getting a little bit mad. Like they were a little bit agitated by the line of questioning. Didn't you think? I have a lot of thoughts about this. First of all, I don't know who thought bringing Bartice out as like this final voice was going to incite positive reactions from anyone that would be like bringing out like a Marvel villain at the end of a Marvel movie as part of like the fun montage. I don't know. It just didn't make any sense. Um, second, the baby stuff. I mean, aside from just being irritating, it's incredibly insensitive. We're talking about a bunch of women. I'm a woman in my 30s. Women in their 30s. And you know, you never know what people's journeys are with that stuff from a health perspective. So to put them yep. on a spot on live national television and ask them about it, a question that I'm, I don't think any of them were prepared to answer, frankly, I don't, I certainly don't think anyone went into that thinking that it's ridiculous. And to, I thought one of Brett's, um, they didn't get a lot of, of moments in this, which again is so bizarre, but I, I, I actually really liked the moment where he was like, yo, like he kind of took over in response to that question and was like, we're not really talking about that here. And he was very firm and direct about it. And I really appreciated it because it's so intrusive. Um, and if you're going to ask it, you absolutely have to clear that beforehand. So yep, very much did not like that as a way to end this. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was really odd. 
It was, and like you're right, that being almost the final note of what has objectively been the best season, I think, of Love is Blind. Yeah. Like as far as an entertainment value standpoint and what we came in to hear this with. And I get, you have three couples. It was an abundance of riches as far as this process actually, quote unquote, working for everybody a year in. But for all the reasons you mentioned, felt very invasive and pretty insensitive. Can I say too, though, on like a, a nicer note, I believe in all three of them. Is that crazy? Like, I mean, I know it's easier to say that because they've been together a year now, but the way they all three presented on stage, they all seemed like units. They all seemed like teams. They all seemed like they had each other's back in a way that, you know, felt very genuine to me. And like, if you asked me, do I think they're going to stay together? I think all three are going to stay together. Mina, I saw when you mentioned those videos they showed of all the married couples doing like the day in the life MTV Cribs thing. Chelsea and Kwame seemed like they might have had the as good a chance, if not the best chance, as anybody. Like, we heard so much about Kwame's very public love of Portland, which he explained, too, was also tied up in the fact that he would spend, like, half of every year out of the country for things with work and kind of put a little bit more color to that. We mentioned yeah. the edit that they likely got, but watching them interact together, for all of the things that I think Kwame legitimately deserved to have to answer for based on what went on in the season and some of the things that no matter what your edit was – they're there and you were party to it, it does seem like a really actually cohesive fit in a way that did not feel the case at all all the way up to and through them saying yes so that was one of the bigger surprises for me on the night was how solid that relationship looked in particular yeah we didn't really talk about their segment but i i, I the one thing that i think really jumped out is Kwame came correct with the apology about the micah conversation yeah. which whatever it's one conversation but he understood the assignment which is you show up you eat shit you apologize to you know her family her whatever you don't equivocate and then everyone's happy as soon as he said that and you literally felt the crowd be like ah like yep. it's so easy it's so it's not hard to get the crowd on your side um and he knew what to do and i thought he handled it really well and i i believed it i bought it had you heard any of those rumors, by the way, that his sister Barbara was some sort of paid actor? Because I had not heard any of that show up. She was incredible. Loved her as a character, but I had never heard that. And Vanessa seemed hell-bent on making sure everybody yeah. knew that wasn't the case. She mentioned that like 10 times. Yeah, I had not. I, that internet rumor had escaped me. Must be like a TikTok thing that I missed. But um, yeah, Barbara, a queen, one of the great oh. winners of this season, no doubt. But Kwame's you know, uh, siblings, generally, and friends, I thought were quite lovely. Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, I don't know if it tops uh, Brett's brother Angus strictly mm. on name alone, but also oh. hairstyle and general His vibe. Dad, the cry towel. Oh, great parents. Uh, un unbelievable. Yeah, um, outside of Bliss's dad. Who we heard, we heard the couple of parent parental updates. Uh, Chelsea had met Kwame's mom at this point yeah. a year in, which again figured would come up somewhere along the way. And apparently Bliss's dad and Zach are also cool now and got over that. He was, Mina, I don't know how you felt about him when that was all going down around the wedding. I understood where he came from as far as being inherently distrustful of the show's format. Like I think yeah, most I think parents that was, probably have a reservation. I right? think his whole thing was entirely about TV. He was like, this is insane. This is whatever. And you know, I do I think like you can still kind of be a little bit nicer? Sure. But I don't think that there was anything deep seated there. And I don't think it was about Zach at all. I think he just looked at his daughter getting engaged in two weeks off of a reality TV show and was perhaps appropriately skeptical. <laughs> 
Right. Like, could he have presented it better? Yeah. Sure. And once you agree to sign the waiver to be on TV, like, I don't know what kept Kwame's mom in right. actuality from being a part of the show, but once you agree to be there, openly bleep talking the show's format and a little bit your daughter's decision making in the process wasn't all that great but outside of that interaction i mean bliss's mom we had a banner set of parents and family members for the most part micah's friends also withstanding but everyone else i think performed pretty admirably in their roles yeah again i thought it was really telling that none of paul's friends seemed surprised and he said no after which again that was just i was just like oh we didn't see a lot because they're like yeah we thought you like his parents were like you know we just even before when he was walking they're like we just want you to be happy like yep you know you got it cuz i think i've read somewhere that most of them tell their families what they're going to do so like i actually thought yeah. Kwame might say yes when at the last second his i think it was his sister it was barbara who said something like you're going to be a great husband i was like oh cuz it, which makes sense too, right? Because in most cases, and I think your point about so much of the drama that had to be accentuated was because Brett and Tiffany at no point were willing to play that game. Like every step along the way, they were affirming that very publicly in a way you probably couldn't yeah. edit out because it was just so consistent. And so, yeah, I'd imagine for most everyone else, you're going to tell your family, even though it's always presented that there are some who did not tell their families they were going on this reality dating show to begin with, which That's is always, always wild to blows me. my mind. Yeah, I don't understand but, that. Although I, 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 I heard they... I've, read somewhere also that they find out like pretty last second that they're gonna when they're on mm. i think it was kwame was like yeah my apartment was a, a total shithole because i had to leave in like 24 hours or something you know i was like mm. that is one of my favorite parts when they first go back to everyone's home and you see all the guys very clearly living as single 28 to 30 something year old guys i identified very much with kwame's sweep sleep couch which <laughs> did make its way to their new apartment as someone who often sleeps on their couch as a 33 year old and calls them road games during the week so and, and then you had brett <laughs> About that action, Brett, my man with the sneaker wall from heaven, who, as you pointed out, Mina, was talking about colorways with his dad on his wedding day. <laughs> oh, oh, from from the yeah. from the jump, yeah. We saw them on the way out. They all look great. Um, yeah, happy for them. I, it was a really. Yeah. Fu- I feel like we're. I mean, we're criticizing the hosting, but the actual experience was tremendous. Um, it really was like being inside a reality show. Which is it was. It was really, fun. really cool. So thank you to all the people at Netflix for inviting Mina so that she could invite me so that I could get to experience this night. Any other big takeaway, Mina? Any final note here on season four of Love is Blind for you? Is this is this currently your favorite reality television show? Has it vaulted to the number one spot? It is, yeah. It really has overtaken most of the other... Like I, the, the delayed release this time... I get why they did it, but I, every week I was like, oh my God, fiending. And it had so many incredible moments. The, you know, from the meet, Zach and Arena seeing each other for the first time, Tiffany sleeping, uh, the pool party in Mexico with Kwame, Micah, everything that happened with Zach and Arena in Mexico, Zach seeing Bliss for the first time, Jackie, the coffee shop, actually almost fell off the treadmill when they revealed that when she didn't show up to the dress thing. And then, of course, again, we're saying, you know, it, clearly stuff was left out, but being genuinely surprised in the weddings, like it's it's incredible television. So credit to the show. It is really, really entertaining. 
Yeah, it is It is gripping. It is absolutely taking over. It is reality dating at its finest. And I know we are already excited for the next season. Disappointed we didn't get to ask Zach in person about his owl portrait <laughs> that we saw featured very prominently. But that journalism is going to have to hang out and uh, wait for another day. Uh, Mina, can't thank you enough. Uh, whenever you're ready to start your reality television contestant consulting business, I will happily fund the project. Thank you, friend. Thanks. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.